Hello and welcome to the intro of Untangling the Truth, the brand new podcast that rambles about meaningful aspects of life such as productivity, self-development and wellness. The main focus is to uncover the uncharted feelings we cope along with in our life's journeys. My name is Gonzalo and in each episode I'll talk about tips, news and my personal thoughts towards what's truly important to find happiness and fulfillment at work and in life. I hope you join me in this new path. Don't rush life, and bye-bye. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Untangling the Truth. My name is Gonzalo, and as you know, I love to share stories with you. Today, 18th of February, I'm going to share two articles because the last time I hadn't I hadn't read anything longer than usual so today I, I've decided to talk about two articles that I found quite interesting to, to share. It's from the same author, he's um, Oliver Bokeman. He's the um, the author of the famous book, Productivity book, I mean, um, 4000 Weeks. It's quite interesting, I hope I can have it very soon. And yeah, I'm going to talk about um, distractions and actions, let's say, in order to put ourselves in the way of doing something. Anyway, let's go into it. The truth about distraction. The way we talk about distraction, especially digital distraction, has changed a lot in the recent years. Before, most people thought of resisting distractions as a matter of willpower of training your brain to focus, setting personal rules for when to change your fun, and so on, with the implication that if you fail, you were an indisciplined loser. Now that are more of us understand how attention economy works, we see th- no, some things differently. There's a vast global industry dedicated to distracting us, because our attention is the resource of expanding, and it's our fair fight. Every time you click on a major site or social media platform, the tech critic Tristan Harris likes to say there are a thousand people on the other side of the screen, paid to try to keep you there. No wonder your patchwork with power can't complete. Um, all of which is true, but the problem with this framing is that it characterizes destruction as a war between an individual and the far use of side forces. There you are, longing to concentrate on your work and family, when along comes Max Zuckerberg and his evil social media platform to lure you away against your will. To me, that ignores something crucial about the experience of distraction, which is that you don't get dragged away against your will. You surrender wildly. It's a relief to turn from the unpleasantness of a challenging work or a moment of burden with caring about a child to destroy your phone instead. If there is a war for our attention, as we are often told, our role often seems to be that of collaborators with the enemy. At first glance, that's really odd. Why could it feel so unpleasant to do something you care about you'd prefer to seek out distractions, which by definition are things you don't care about? The answer, at the most general level, is that you are fleeing a disturbing emotional experience, 
some kind of unwelcome reminder of your status as a limited and finite human. Meaningful work stretches you, bringing you up against the edge of your talent. Difficult conversations are difficult because you don't get to control how they'll unfold. Boredom descends whenever you wish something was happening other than what's happening now, and can do anything about it. In all such cases, the mysterious entity, Mary Orcourt, the intimate interrupter, that self within the self that whistles and pounds on the door panels, is urging you to stretch yourself as a wish to escape a negative feeling. Mark Zuckerberg just found an especially cunning way to take advantage when you do so. This is why most anti-destruction hacks, web blocking apps, nose cancelling, personal groups never seem to work very well. They involve denying yourself to access the places you usually go for relief from emotional unpleasantness. But they don't address the unpleasantness himself. You are not entirely useless. But if you can bear the fact that giving activity causes discomfort, shutting down treated once half that problem. You just find something else to do. Start off the window, go on it, and you mean what I mean. To avoid the unpleasantness instead. Stop expecting it to be easy. All of which points to a more fundamental solution to distraction. One that's incredibly simple but not all easy. Just stop expecting hard, important meaning things, constantly comfortable and present. Consider the possibility that male discomfort, butterflies in your stomach, a sense of difficulty, a sense of burden, might simply buy the price of doing things you care about. And do I mean mild? I'm constantly amazed at how low the threshold is. For me, how just tiny feeling of being challenged or tired or woo while doing something I really want to do is enough for me to literally wait to put in an hour of social media. Severe discomfort, on the other hand, may be a sign you're engaged in your current task. Whenever I'm able to recall that the urge or to distract myself can be over observed without being acted upon, the fed is question magical. Alright, oh, I remember now. Important stuff sometimes just feels difficult. Of course it does. That shouldn't come as a surprise, really, and it isn't a problem either. This is the first article about how, what's the truth about distraction. Now, I'm going to read the article that it's about just doing something. It's, as I said, from the same author, and you can find it both in their, in his webpage called oliverbuckman.com, just do, in this case. Anyway, just do the thing. Back in 2001, when David Allen published the groundbreaking productivity book, Getting Things Done, he coined the two-minute rule. If you encounter a text, it would take under two minutes to complete, just do it now. It wasn't recommended that you spend your days recoaching between random little activities the moment you pull into your head. His point was that anyone who takes a systematic approach to managing their time, with some combination of to-do list, plan, schedules, and all those leads, Take time and effort, and from some smaller tasks, it simply won't not worth it. By the time you've clarified the next action, or made an entry on a list, or a schedule, a time to focus it, you could have done it. Case in point, recently I realized I'd made three separate reminders to myself to order new bags from a vacuum cleaner. 
There's no way they didn't see up so much time and effort just ordering the bags. I've long practiced the two-minute rule as a way to power through tedious scores, even if far from perfectly as the previous chiropractor indicates. But it was stuck to hear the meditation teacher Hossop Goldstein talking in similar terms about different personal policy he adopted a few years back. Whenever he experiences the pulse to be generous, he tries to follow through it. There and then. Whenever you have the thought to be generous, just do it. This is another article, by the way. So it occurs to you to send someone a message expressing gratitude or to donate to a charity, giving money to homeless in the person in the street, or take a call off your exposed plate and you act. Non-general thoughts may arise too. Goldstein notes, which is fine. There's no need to judge them, but also do the thing. Note that there isn't about action on feelings of the obligation. Notice another ethos of the tyrannical and social injection to hashtag be kind. The point is to try to be more generous than you are currently are, is to notice the moment when you naturally and unfortunately are ready to feel that way, then not to screw it up with overthinking. I found it fascinating to try. For one thing, acting on an authentic urgency impulse as opposed to the big kind hashtag is almost hilariously rewarding in terms of one's mode. For another, it becomes clear that what usually traps being me stops being me generous isn't that when I delay, some deeper mean spiritness takes over. On the contrary, when I overthink it, I set the bar too high. I tell myself a message to a friend deserves real focus, so I'd better get all my attacks out of the way first. Or I tell myself it's inefficient to give some money to homelessly people rather than hustling organizations. In one way or another, I'm forever telling myself that soon. I'm going to become the kind of person who does all the things good with the results and that I don't actually do them. The easy option. All of these generalizes, I think. From the two minute course on your university towards others to your university towards yourselves, so much more palatable and self care somehow, and onward to a thousand other small things that matter but usually never get done. It's been said that it's helpful to think about the time it takes to complete a task, as including all the time you spend thinking about doing it, or stressing about not having done it yet, as well as actually doing it. That helps clarify the action. That acting immediately needn't be thought of a matter of becoming more self-disciplined or pushing yourself harder. Rather, it's a matter of sparing yourself the necessary hassle of having to do hanging over you, of suddenly remembering at 3am some tasks you should have done by the moment, or of feeling bad about not acting as generously as you wish. From this perspective, taking action is the easy option. It's procrastination that's the burden someone. Why not cut yourself some slack and just do the thing? That's been the two articles of today. I hope you like it. I hope you had a great time listening to both these articles. They're really short, they're quite inspiring. I believe we can learn a lot about this. We can, well, actually, we might, we should think, we, we must think about what I've said because I really think they are, they are true enough, they are true about you know, just do the action, stop thinking, and start doing um, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I hope you like it, and if you want to check it out, you have it in the description, as always. And yeah, I hope to see you next week. Bye-bye.
this is the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it and hey, don't forget to share with the people around you. The podcast is available on every platform such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. I upload it every time in Anchor.fm, a platform that is totally free charge and you can upload everything you want totally free. And it's easy because Spotify makes you to pay nothing because of it, because an enterprise that belongs to them. Um, that's why I decided. I mean, why not? Sharing stories is my passion and you should try too. So if you sometime give it a shot, let me know.